0: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
2: Our guest today on Take Command, former great Washington lineman, won three Super Bowl trophies, uh, also with the Denver Broncos. Uh, he's on the call this weekend for Fox Sports with my guy Adam Amin. It's Mark at Stink, welcome to Take Command.
1: Oh, man, thanks. It's my pleasure. Great to be here.
2: Absolutely. Uh, our pleasure to have you. And, um, you know, you, you came on the radio show with me over the summer and it talked about in many places beyond uh, the show with me about, you know, kind of your relationship with the franchise under Dan Snyder. Uh, for those that missed that interview, wasn't great. Uh, not your favorite guy, uh, which makes you, uh, you know, one of many. But for you to get to call this game, for you personally, before we get into the teams themselves, to be there week one of the Josh Harris era at a sold-out FedEx field, what's it mean to you?
1: I think it's it's huge. You know, to me, it's uh, welcome back to the National Football League, Washington Commanders. It was, uh, we missed you. It's nice to have you back. And to get the love and, and just the sense of how important this is to just the commander faithful to, to all the people who were, you know, a fan of the Washington football team, the Redskins, and now the commanders. Um, it's, it's really cool. And there's this feeling for me of um, the Wizard of Oz for those who you don't remember the movie, the old time movie when Dorothy kills the Wicked Witch of the West and then all the, you know, all the henchmen of the Wicked Witch of the West line up and just say, all hell, Dorothy. You know, they start marching around. They get all excited about it. And that's how I feel about the demise of Daniel Snyder. Like, everybody is like, thank goodness we get to root for our favorite team again. And, you know, you get the sense that so many people walked away in disgust with what went on with this franchise. And I think back, and it's funny, on my podcast, The Stinking Truth, uh, I recorded it today, I'll release it on Friday, but I talked about how Washington, when I came, into the National Football League was one of the crown jewels, oh, the jewel on the crown of the NFL, and how far they have fallen. And to see them have that opportunity to regain the respect of the rest of the National Football League, and you know, and to go out there and compete, and to not have that cloud hanging over them that is, you know, and that was Daniel Snyder. Um, I couldn't be happier for the franchise. I couldn't be more excited about calling the game.
2: Yeah, no, it's great that you get to be there. Um, and, you know, obviously looking forward to watching you on Sunday. Well, those of us that won't be there, luckily I'm going to get to swing by. My tur- Actually, Mark, my first time at FedEx Field since 2019. Um, so I've also stayed away from that terrible wow. place. But it is finally, as you know, the traffic and just getting there was something that actually the ownership has talked about. It's brutal. It sucks. And so to to actually feel like going to the game in person is worth it. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people haven't been able to say in a long time, and certainly myself included, on mm-hmm. that front. Um, also, there's hope on the actual field. Um, Sam Howell, obviously the center of that. So much talent, so much upside, but very unproven. What have been your first impressions of Sam based off the Dallas game last year, and what you saw from him in the preseason this year?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think one is excitement about potential, about the ceiling of of sam howell like there's no question he's a really talented guy i think like a lot of young quarterbacks one of the things i saw throughout this preseason was a guy that occasionally um and i think this is all young quarterbacks for the most part um, when it comes to protection especially coming out of the college game protection is an issue and so what you see guys oftentimes doing is escaping the protection of the pocket because of the color that flashes. And oftentimes that color is picked up. You know, it's a late game. It's a twist game. It's a bat coming from one side of the formation to the other side of the formation to picking somebody up. And what, what you too, what you see oftentimes is young guys don't trust it. So they automatically flush before they're forced to flush. And when you flush out of the protection of the pocket, now, you know, you're eliminating you're eliminating half of your receiving core, right? And you're getting to one side of the field. And oftentimes what ends up happening is you miss big time designed opportunities because you're a little bit quick out of the pocket. And, you know, it was interesting. I got a chance to talk to Drew Locke um, this preseason. I did some. I did the Seattle Seahawks last preseason game. And I went out to practice for two or three days. And Drew Locke was a young quarterback in Denver where I lived. And I talked to, to him about like just the maturation process of being that young guy that got an opportunity to start, didn't work out, go to Seattle, back up. And, you know, and and there a there's a belief in Seattle that Drew Law can be a really good like starting quarterback. And I asked him, what's, you know, what's been the biggest change for you? He goes, trusting protection. I didn't understand protection. Like in college, you know, we were either spread, get the ball out right now, or we were seven man protections flag a play action and shoot the ball deep down the field. So I never had to worry about re-identifying a mic. I never had to worry about firm protection. I never worried about who my hot guy is, you know, and how to get to that guy. And the NFL is different that way. You've got to understand that protection and you've got to be able to trust it. And you've got to be able to be a great scram, a great scrambler within the pocket, manipulating, moving, not seeing the rush, feeling it, moving away from it staying in that pocket that provides you that protection so that you can deliver the ball down the field. And, you know, I saw a couple of plays in this preseason that had you been able to stay a hair longer, had you trusted it a hair more, you're talking about an incomplete pass. It's a 30-yard, 30, 30 you know, 30-yard kind of explosive play. And the way it's been broken down for me over the years that when you create an explosive play, so it depends on who's defining explosive plays, but oftentimes NFL teams define that as a 10-yard-plus running play. Some some people put it at 12, but 10 yards-plus running play is an explosive run, and 17 yards-plus passing plays is an explosive play. Some teams put it at 20. But the overall thought process, every explosive play is about the equivalent of 2.6 points when you hit an explosive. So that's that's the equation. Like you cannot literally, it's almost impossible to put a scoring drive together without a couple of explosive plays within that scoring drive. It's yeah. almost impossible to go, you know, to go six yards, five yards, eight yards, four yards, two yards, eight yards, six yards, four, without blowing yourself up, having a holding call, a false start, a uh, illegal formation, something that puts you behind the chains that you have to punt. And so those explosive plays are incredibly valuable. And when you miss one, because you see color flash and you're like, oh, I don't know if it's picked up, I gotta get out of here. Th- that's the problem with young quarterbacks, and that's the maturation that Sam Howell's gonna have to go through.
2: No doubt. And I- I'm so bummed that uh the timing didn't work out that Paulson couldn't be here. Cause I would just sit back at this point and be like, all right, you guys talk about protection uh for the tight end that he is. Um but I, I think that, you know, to my knowledge level, this is definitely something that I saw in the preseason as well. And you hear coaches talk about with him and, and you see it in those preseason games. And I'm curious, like, as a former O-lineman yourself, like, what the conversations are like between line and quarterback, um, not just in terms of, hey, man, we had you. Like, we we had it. Like, trust us. Go go attack. I right. mean, um, maybe there's, you know, a Charles Leno, a more veteran guy that has that conversation with Sam. But also, you know, setting up in the first place correctly, what the communication is like between say a center Nick Gates uh, for in Washington's case and Sam to set the protections in the first place to make sure that you're in a position to succeed. Cause I think that's something we saw last year a lot, obviously different quarterback, different OC, but there yeah. were times that the right protection call just wasn't there. Everyone executes and the quarterback gets blasted because they, they didn't have it called properly. So what's the the, the communication like, uh, you know, obviously it's not happening at the line of scrimmage the play clock ticking down, but you know, between whatever coaches are involved, the offensive lineman and the quarterback to make sure that you're set up to succeed in the first place?
1: Yeah, well, it depends. Every team is a little bit different. And um, I'm a believer in in my day, we always set the protection. So we would get a protection call and then we would set it. And if we wanted to cheat it, you know, and re-identify Mike or cheat it beyond one guy to a, a slot corner or something of that nature, depending on the defensive look you got, we had the freedom to do that and we could call it out on our timing. The problem that you get into when you let quarterbacks decide from their vantage point is obviously a lot of times a quarterback will see something that he thinks is coming, a blitz that he thinks is coming, or you know, want to change or re-identify a mic, and he gets to it late and you know he goes from, Hey, 52's the mic, 52's the mic, no, no, 47, 47, set up. And then the communication doesn't get passed down from center to guard, to tackle, to tight end, to, you know, backside guard, depending on the slide and all those things. So I'm a big believer, especially with young quarterbacks, we set the protection. We tell you where we're going and, you know, the four downs plus one or however we're doing that. We let you know what we're doing. And therefore we're in charge of that. And now you have to understand where you're hot and where you're not, where you're picked up. And so the understanding of that protection to me is paramount to success of the quarterback. If you don't understand where you're not picked up, um, you know, and, and you don't understand who's hot and who's not, like you're going to get absolutely lambasted in the pocket. And a lot of times what you'll hear is announcers that don't understand protection going, well, you know, this offensive line isn't very good. Or, and I'm like, no, 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 that's the that's a hundred percent on the quarterback. You've got to understand those things. So, I, I like to take as much off a young quarterback's plate as possible, right? They always say, hey, the best friend of a young quarterback is a running game, like three things, a running game, great defense, and a tight end, right? Like middle of the field, you know, the little spot routes and, you know, spacing concepts where you get the ball, scat Hank stuff, you know, where you get the ball of that guy in the middle and, and you get an automatic six, seven yards, and now you keep yourself in front of the chains. If you can do that consistently, well, a young quarterback's got an opportunity to thrive. And so that, that game is really important. And I, I'm a big believer that Nick Gates and the rest of the guys up front should be in charge of that, especially with a young quarterback.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's 100% what happened to them in the preseason, too, where you know the the pressures that happened in those games were on Sam. Um, not a lot of snaps, and I'm not saying the offensive line is 100% a, a point of uh, certainty mm-hmm. here by any stretch of the imagination, but the pressures they did see in the preseason were definitely on Sam and uh, his inability to get the ball out. No worries, hot, the exact stuff that you're talking about. I also saw um, a quote from you. Uh, I, I don't know whether you talked to Nikki Javala for a story or whether she pulled it from yeah, somewhere else. I did. But, yeah, yesterday, um, Nikki. Yeah. So she had this great quote from you about what you saw from Sadiq Charles on tape in the preseason. You were a big fan of what you've seen from him, which I think is interesting because I think the narrative here, Mark, was, was shaped a little bit by how much time he missed and people were frustrated. You got to see him when he got out there. And that's ultimately what matters. What happens when you produce so long that he stays on the field. What did you like so much about Sadiq and, and how do you feel about the rest of that offensive line from what you saw in the preseason?
1: Uh, well, Sadiq is a full grown ass man. And, um, <laughs> Sure is. And he was like uh, – there's a couple things. One, that dude is a powerful individual, like a powerful individual. And his steps – his steps and his body mechanics, um, his quickness off the ball and, and, and his angles and his technique to funnel guys where he wants them, like he – he put on a preseason masterclass in dominating the line of scrimmage. Like, I've I've read articles, you know, and I read. You know, they, every Every day, Fox sends me, like, all the Commander's articles, all the Arizona articles, right? You, you read, you know, you're trying to develop storylines, and you're trying to look at the teams, and I'm studying film, and I'm doing all these things. But, you know, I kept hearing, hey, Dotson is going to, you know, this is going to be a breakout Pro Bowl year, and it may be. It may be. And he's incredible talent. I couldn't take my eyes off Sadiq Charles. Like he was dominant in the preseason. And you know, the preseason is interesting because oftentimes you're very static, you're not showing a lot of motion, you're not showing a lot of game planning stuff. You're just running plays as opposed to running your offense. So to dominate in the preseason when a lot of it's just one on one and you're not setting you're not setting guys up. You're just letting them go out there and play. To dominate in those conditions is, like, that's the toughest time. That's the hardest place to dominate. Um, So I was thoroughly impressed with him. I thought Nick Gates played well in the preseason. Uh, Leno is, you know, is a professional player. He's good. Um, You know, I think think, um, the right side, there's a little bit of question mark. Sam Cosme, um, you know, going inside, the game happens so much faster inside. Than it does outside, and you saw him at times with with you know just bad sets, bad footwork. Um, he's a tall, big, tall land giant type guy, so leverage sometimes becomes a problem inside there. Um, but I, I certainly see you know I certainly see this offensive line once you put a game plan together and you start calling the offense as opposed to calling plays, which the enemy will do once the season starts. Um, I definitely see this offensive line gelling. You know, it's been a question of weakness, and and people talk about it. But let me just say, you can take <clears throat> average guys up front and make them really good. You can take good guys up front and make them excellent as a group. And so, and that comes with play callers. Um, when you start calling the offense, so that your guys have opportunities to change up sets, to change their techniques up. Um, to vice different guys, you know, to, to change up the one on ones, to get double teams across the board, to do all those things that we do, you know, as the secret kind of mushroom society that we are. Um, <laughs> that's, that's when you have a chance to be really, really good. And, and I see that, I see that potential. Um, we'll see if it happens. You know, I mean, Eric Bianami is an interesting case study. Um, and I don't know Eric well, but he was a CU guy. Um, You know, probably when I was playing for the Broncos, one thing about about the enemy is he was classically trained in the kind of Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, wide zone West Coast offense. And then he's kind of melded that together with what he learned in Kansas City with Andy Reid, who, you know, probably lost the Super Bowl because he refused to run the ball against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like that was the ultimate in football hubris. And I think you saw the change for Andy Reid last year, running the ball more effectively, understanding the value of that, especially with guys who are, you know, beat up on the offensive line. So uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly what kind of, how he melds those two kind of philosophies together, because you got a couple of backs to me in Washington that um, that are top-notch players.
2: Yeah, no, i very excited to see how that comes together. Last thing I'll ask you about Stink on the way out is the other team. Um, What I mean, Arizona, everyone's kind of looking at them like, what are they doing? It's easy to laugh at them. They're still NFL players over there. It's week one. We haven't seen anything yet. But what do you make of Arizona um, without us having actually seen them on the field this season so far?
1: Well, I I will tell you this. They're trying to, like we talked about walking and reintroducing themselves to the NFL with their ownership. Um, Arizona's trying to reintroduce themselves to the NFL with an actual legitimate NFL system. And that's going to take some time. Jonathan Gannon was the defense coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, a really good coach. Um, you know, gets gets buy-in from his players. But you have to understand what Arizona's done the last two years, you know, drafting um, Josh yeah. Rosen, yeah. Yeah. Who's been with like seven different teams. You know, he was the, the most qualified NFL quarterback, quote unquote. And now he's been with six or seven teams. And then dumping him after a season and going after Kyler Murray and going after Clip Kingsbury, you know, and running this this janky college offense in the NFL. And they were talented enough over the last few years to, you know, score late in the half, you know, score late in the game, um, compile some meaningless stats and touchdowns, and to make you, I call it the, the illusion of competitiveness. They would give you the illusion that they're a competitive football team. They're garbage. Like they were they didn't do anything to me that is endemic of winning in the National Football League, but they would play you close enough to make everybody thinks that you know everybody think that they're close. You know, they get four or five wide receivers in the spread offense, you know, and they make some plays but the bottom line is they couldn't dictate in any game. They couldn't hold leads. They just, they just are not built that way. So John Gannon has come in there and said, hey, man, I know we're not very talented, but we're actually going to run the ball. We're actually going to control the line of scrimmage. We're actually going to do some things that uh, that this, this franchise hasn't done in a long time. And so we're going to try to shorten some games. We're going to try to live that way. Quarterback is an issue right now. You know, I, I believe that Joshua Dobbs will start, and that's just based on my knowledge of football and watching Joshua Dobbs versus uh, versus Clayton Toon. Um, you know, Clayton Toon ain't ready for primetime. <laughs> and a, a, lot of the, a lot of the issues that we talked about with Sam Howell in a protection, but um, just a lot of, especially outside the numbers, a lot of errant throws, a lot of really just bad looks. So um, I think that's the direction they'll go. But I will say this about them um, you may not know the players names but defensively they're really talented and and they play really they play hard now in the preseason they they flew around they played their butts off and they're a very talented defensive football team and so like that part they'll give you you know they'll give you um a full days you know full days work on the defensive side of the ball and so like I don't think they're going to be you know, zero and seventeen, like everybody thinks, but they lack they lack some. Well, they lack some some talent. They all, they lack some talent at the quarterback position. Let's just be frank. And so, you know, and then they're trying to implement a, a real live NFL system. And and I will be frank, also, they just don't have a tight end that can block anybody. So that's concern. You know, but that's not how they were built, right? They were built on. We don't care if you can block. Let's just have everybody be a receiving tight end. Let's just spread this thing out. And, you know, let's play college football in the national football. I'm sorry. You know, there's portions of it that work. I understand that. But it's it can't be where well, you hang your hat. And um, and so they've, they've got a lot of work in front of them. But I don't think they're going to be the rollover that everybody thinks they're going to be.
2: That's interesting. Um, first time in Ron Rivera era that uh, the commanders are favored by more than a touchdown. It might even be double digits this point so um but then again that you know vegas vegas doesn't exist to actually set lines they exist to make money so uh, yeah. we will see what ultimately happens on sunday if you're watching it on television you will see this man there along with adam amin on fox sports uh stink hopefully i'll get to swing by the booth and say hello in person safe travels out this way and uh thanks for coming on the podcast
1: i appreciate that and uh give logan my best sorry we couldn't connect
2: we will and hopefully uh, if you guys have another one later in the year we'll make that happen thanks mark all right sounds good take care Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good. And then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 1067 the fans YouTube page. Go check it out and please subscribe. Yeah, do do what Logan said. Do He's it. Very, very smart.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.